From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, August 24th. The public only has a few more days to weigh in on an exploratory lithium mining project near Moab. Lithium goes into making electric vehicle batteries, which could help fight climate change. But as David Condos with our partners at KUER reports, there are environmental concerns about the mining itself. The proposal would allow a mining company, A1 Lithium, to re-enter two abandoned oil wells to test for underground lithium. But the project is just a few miles from Canyonlands National Park, and that location has sparked concerns over how it would change the natural scenery that attracts roughly one million visitors a year. Landon Newell is an attorney with the conservation group Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. Those people don't come from around the world to see pump jacks and drill rigs and industrial development. You know, they're coming from around the world to see the remarkable landscape. The Bureau of Land Management oversees the land where the project is proposed. Dave Powles, the local BLM field officer, says allowing some mining activity is part of the Bureau's multi-use mission. But he welcomes suggestions for how to best do that. We're inviting the public to have input and be part of this process. We value the input and more eyes on the project, make it a better final document. People can weigh in on the proposal on the BLM website. The public comment period goes through August 26th. I'm David Condos in St. George. Saturday, August 26th, marks the historic anniversary of the certification of the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. That solidified the right of some women to vote. Lisa Young with our partners at KVNF spoke with Nancy Ball from a local League of Women Voters group about this historic event. Well, certainly the League would like uh, people to understand what those women went through for 72 years. That's Nancy Ball, League of Women Voters of the Uncompahgre Valley, talking about the struggle of the suffragettes in America and their fight to gain voting rights. The nonpartisan activist grassroots organization believes voters should play a crucial role in democracy. We need to use that right that was fought for so hard by our courageous four mothers. Because if we don't vote, other people are going to make decisions that affect our lives. In light of the upcoming anniversary of the 19th Amendment, the National League of Women Voters is calling upon lawmakers to shore up women's rights, noting that women have fewer rights than they'd had in decades. The League wants lawmakers to pass voting rights legislation, add the Equal Rights Amendment to the Constitution, and restore reproductive rights to women and those who can become pregnant. I'm Lisa Young. Across the region, goat heads, or puncture vine, are a scourge to cyclists, walkers, and four-legged friends. They pop tires and embed themselves in shoes and sensitive paws. There are many efforts to halt their spread, and the Mountain West News Bureau's Murphy Woodhouse has more on new research that could help. It's a cool Wednesday morning, and the sun is still low over the trees that line the Boise River Greenbelt's web of trails through Veterans Memorial Park. Along the path, a half dozen or so people, mostly volunteers, are armed with hand tools. Their orange utility buckets are steadily filling with thick mats of the snaking vines. The plant's signature corn kernel-sized seed pods sport thumbtack-sharp spines. 
The group is part of Boise's Weed Warrior program, which fights back against invasive plants, and they're united by hatred of goat heads. A goat head is an evil, mean vine. I am a cyclist. I hate goat heads. It's definitely an act of vengeance. That was Parks and Recreation employee Mike Burkhart and volunteers Mark Poplar and Kathy Brummond. Here's Kathy. When you're on your bicycle, it's always easy to find the goat heads because you run them over, but but here it's a little bit more difficult to find them. So, <laughs> As the volunteers yank out weeds, a group of dog walkers is finishing up. And then Cedric is your... My son. Your son. My little boy. <laughs> Abigail Youngin is with her pooch, Cedric, who's well acquainted with goat heads. He's gotten them stuck in his feet. He's gotten them stuck in his hair. Um, they pull on him. He has, like, crazy paws that, like, suck them in. So it would be safe to say that you are not a fan of the goat heads? Not a fan. Um, uh, anti-fan. A hater. I'm a hater for goat heads. I asked Cedric if he had any thoughts on goat heads. Boise is full of people and pets with strong feelings about goat heads. There's even an annual summer festival that celebrates removal efforts. And at Boise State University, researchers have developed a new tool that promises to make removal work more effective. Just off a downtown parking area, an undeveloped lot is baking in the midday sun. There'd be little reason to notice it unless you care a great deal about goat heads, like BSU associate biology professor Trevor Coughlin. He typically does his field work in far-flung places, but then the pandemic started. We were in Boise that whole summer, and so we needed a project. And we looked around and we realized that here is this plant that's causing a lot of harm to Boiseans. The community really cares about goat head. And we thought, why not study that plant? At randomly selected sites across the city, his lab team rigorously documented the presence and absence of the invasive plant. They found that lower property value was the most important predictor of goat head abundance, suggesting that poorer residents are disproportionately impacted by them. We're not sure exactly why, but we are very concerned about the equity implications of that relationship. Uh, for people that rely on bicycles for transportation. Coughlin and the team also produced a map of likely goat head hotspots, helping groups like the Weed Warriors better target their efforts. The map is a way to translate our science into action that hopefully benefits the community. With goat heads so prevalent across the West, Coughlin's work has caught the eye of other researchers, like Amanda Stocky, an incoming biology professor at Colorado Mesa University in Grand Junction. As a cyclist, I became acquainted with goat heads. She also studies invasive plants and biocontrol methods, like a weed that feeds on developing goat head seeds. It was just a lightning moment for me, or a, a light bulb moment, I should say. In Coughlin's research, she saw an idea that could help her community. She says she's already been in touch with local trail users and city council members. Back at the Boise lot, Coughlin and two lab members are crunching through the brush. PhD student Richard Rockman. His cheat grass, tumbleweed, there's a goat head, there's a goat head, there's a goat head. This abandoned lot is a goat head hotspot. Coughlin means that literally. It was not one of the study sites, but it glowed bright on the map they generated. See how many on my feet? Oh my God, look at that. (laughs) Back on the sidewalk, we lifted our footwear to find the soles blanketed and used keys and other methods to scrape them off. What I would like people to know is that anyone can be a weed warrior and this map, oh my God, You have a goat head stuck in your microphone. And like good weed warriors, we quickly removed it. I'm Murphy Woodhouse. Mub's own goat head warriors are organized on social media. You can find the page Moab Goat Heads Gone on Facebook. That's where neighbors post ideas, flag problem areas, and even coordinate fun activities. Earlier this month, a school district in Durango, Colorado, hosted a training session for physical education teachers. 
they learned several Native American games they'll start teaching in gym classes. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis has more. At Escalante Middle School on a sunny summer weekday morning, the 9R school district's PE teachers are learning how to play run and scream. Now run and scream. We started in 1990 trying to recover the Blackfeet children's games at the middle school. Deanna Brady-Leader is a director at Traditional Native Games, a Montana-based organization that runs workshops for schools and camps. More than 30 years ago, it was Blackfeet children that sparked this revival effort. And the kids went out and talked to their relatives and their grandmas and their grandpas and basically brought back about 20 parts of games, some we didn't know the name of, some we had basic ones, but there were gaps in most of what we were learning. It took some time to put together the whole puzzle. Between all of them, they were able to put together basic rules, an idea of how to build the equipment, and what to call a game. They consulted with elders to learn more about these games. The kids took what they had learned to 17 elders at the Blackfeet Community College. And the elders, most of them had been sent to boarding school. Brady Leader raised two Blackfeet daughters, but is a white woman herself. As a teacher, she worked with Native children and elders to bring games from their childhood to life in their gym classes. Now she leads workshops for other teachers. It brings cultural awareness to everyone. In a fun way, too. Jennifer Fernandez is the Native American liaison for Park Elementary School and is a member of the Chumash tribe. She organized last week's training. Native American history is American history, and it should be in all of our school districts. It should be in every school. Most 9R school district PE teachers were there last week at the training and will incorporate it in gym classes starting in the fall. <laughs> I'm Clark Adamitis. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, August 24th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.